If you would like to support the Proper Mental Podcast, you can do so by joining the Patreon community. It's £5 a month, and for that you get early access to the episodes as soon as I record them. You also get the video recordings of these episodes that aren't available anywhere else. And it also allows me to keep this podcast ad-free. I don't want to interrupt these stories to try and sell you things. I don't want advertisements to get in the way of talking about mental health. I want to keep this show independent, and the Patreon allows me to do exactly that. You can also be a part of a Patreon community that's ever-growing and expanding, and it's filled with people who are passionate about talking about mental health, about getting into these deeper conversations. And hopefully as that community grows, there'll be all other sorts of behind-the-scenes content and different things that I'll be able to offer you for your money. If that sounds like something you'd like to be involved in, there's a link in the episode notes to get to the sign-up page, or you can go to patreon.com slash propermentalpodcast. And please know that any and all support is hugely appreciated. Thank you very much for listening. Welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. podcast welcome back if you've been here before this is episode 146 and my guest this week is kim nixon who is a bafta winning actor who is known for her roles in fresh meat and cranford and the tuckers and many more film and tv appearances and kim has dealt with ocd for a lot of her life and she experienced a really rough patch while at university but she wouldn't be officially diagnosed until much later And it was after the birth of her son in 2020 that Kim started to suffer with perinatal OCD. And this would take over her life in a big way. And it was quite a long time before she was able to get the right sort of help and start to work towards recovery. And in this episode, Kim and I chat about the way that OCD impacted her early experiences of motherhood. A time that we're told is supposed to be so special and so precious and how that essentially got robbed by mental illness. We talk about intrusive thoughts and rituals and the realities of living with this mental illness on a day-to-day basis while juggling work and family and all that sort of stuff. We chat about Kim's journey towards recovery and what that looked like for her, what that's looked like for the last couple of years. And we chat about her decision to start speaking openly about OCD and how that's been received and the online community that she's found on Instagram since making that decision to start talking about this stuff. We also talk about acting and and growing up in Wales and balancing work with family life and we talk about compassion and therapy and asking for help it's a really wonderful episode I'd go as far as to say it's one of my favorites and Kim just speaks so openly and so beautifully about her experiences and I really felt that when I was talking to her you may or may not know that my kind of mental health problems really started around the birth of my son so anything perinatal postnatal anything around that really connects with me on a deep level and there was so much in Kim's story that kind of overlapped with mine obviously we're coming from very different perspectives as a mum and a dad and I don't have a diagnosis of OCD but there was so much common ground there and I found it really moving I found Kim's bravery really 
really inspiring and it was just a lovely episode it stayed with me our conversation stayed with me for a little bit after we spoke kim also has a Substack where she writes about her life and about mental illness she's got a podcast there too it's called kimfluence in my brain i've put a sign up link in the episode notes i highly recommend it uh, her podcast in particular is really good really fascinating insight into the realities of living with ocd and like i say she speaks about this in such a wonderful way it's definitely worth checking out you can follow her on instagram at the real kimberly nixon everything you need to know about me is all in the episode notes social media patreon all that sort of stuff go and check it out and if you've got two minutes to leave a review it'd be very much appreciated this is episode 146 of the proper mental podcast with kim nixon thank you very much for listening enjoy So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast. My guest this week is Kim Nixon. How are you, mate? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thank you very much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. No, not at all. I'm glad to I'm glad to finally be on. Um, yeah. I think you've asked me ages and ages and ages ago. Um, and uh, I was like, no, no, I will, I will one day when I'm in a when I'm in a good place to talk about stuff. So here I am. Oh, mate. Well, I appreciate you sticking with it. You know, it's always like. I was, it's a bit weird approaching people. I always feel like a bit like an ambulance chaser, you know, <laughs> like trying to, but you know, the, the timing's got to be right. And I really appreciate you. Um, yeah. Sticking with it and, and coming back to it and all that stuff, mate. It's great. Not at all. Um, whereabouts in Wales are you, Kim? I live in a place called Pontypridd. So it's, um, it's just North of Cardiff. It's the beginning of the, the Rhonda Valleys. Um, so um, it's very, very hilly, very green, very lovely. Yeah, I know Ponzi a little bit. I'm uh, I'm Welsh myself. I'm actually from uh, Pembrey, near Clenetley. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't grow up there, which is why I don't sound like it. I was going to um, say, your accent's way more like Midlands or... People say that, yeah, or people think I'm a Cockney or an Australian sometimes. That's another <laughs> one I get. Um, but yeah, I didn't grow up there, but all my family are there and it's kind of where I call where I call home. Yeah, oh, so okay. I know Ponzi a little bit. I'm actually going yes, home on... Ponty. Actually, look, going home on Wednesday, so very much looking forward to... Uh, Oh, yeah. we'll give Ponty a wave on the way past. I will, yeah, yeah, very much so. Did, was it um, was it like a a Ponty drama school or a school that kind of led you to acting, mate? What was uh? How did you get um, into well, all that? I, I I just went to um, I went to like the local in Wales. Obviously, you'll know that there are um English language schools and Welsh language schools. So, um, I went to the local English language primary school, which was in in a tiny little village called Ennisable. Um, and then when I went to comp, which everyone calls high school now for some reason, um, uh, that was just the, yeah, the local English speaking one. So, um, and then when I was there, I just loved doing it like, you know, the school plays and theatre and all that kind of stuff. I kind of really got into it, but I was a bit of a nerd. Well, I wasn't a bit of a nerd, I was a complete nerd. Um, and um, I was both to sort of get a proper job you know I was supposed to go to uni and get a proper degree and a proper job and um and I had six options on the UCAS thing and five were proper actual proper you know a uh, lawyer journalist type thing and then there, there was one and I was like if I don't go for it I'll regret it forever so I put down um the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama which is a drama school um and I got an audition and I got in and the rest, as they say, 
Yeah. But people were people were surprised, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to the sort of <laughs> prestigious unis. I'm, uh, I mean, I did go to a prestigious drama school, but I was like, yeah, I'm going to be an actor, and everyone was like, "What? You've never mentioned that before." So it was, uh, yeah. Yeah, shock. But uh, it's uh, like. It's really interesting to me, actually, because it's quite a big jump, right? Because there's not a lot of, there's not loads of Welsh people on telly, particularly speaking in a Welsh accent. And no. I don't think there's much out there that kind of shows, like, little Kim growing up, working class South Wales, that yeah. that's a viable career path, you know? When did you decide to, like, oh, no, this well, is going to be a job? <laughs> it still isn't. <laughs> it still um, isn't. It still isn't. Um, no. I mean, it's still very unusual that I live, I've always lived in Wales my whole career. People often assume I live in London uh, because most actors, whether they're English, Welsh, Scottish, Irish, whatever, they, you know, you move to London because that's where the work, that's where the auditions are, that's where the, um, and I never did that. I, I, I've always lived in Ponty and then gone off to like, for like five, six months to Manchester to make fresh meat or like go to LA to do auditions or whatever. But I've always, Ponty's always been my home and I never see that <laughs> represented back at me. But no, you are right. Um, it was not like a, a lot at the time, a lot of people, including some of my family, were a bit like, what are you doing? Like you, you know, you work really hard for your A-levels, go and get a job where you can earn like, 50 grand a year knowing that you've got money coming in what are you doing and then some years when I've <laughs> when it's been months and months without work shit how are we going to pay the bill oh sorry can I swear on this yes sorry. of course yeah <laughs> sorry I'm a big swearer um you'd be like oh my goodness yeah I uh this is not this is not a viable job and then you get a new job in and you forget all that but um it's easier now. There's more kind of drama clubs and groups and stuff like it's not as unheard of as it as it was like 16 years ago when I started. But um, it was definitely like, oh, give it a go for a year or two, but you'll never, you'll never make a living out of it. Yeah. Did you like? I don't know. Is it is it like imposter syndrome a thing at all? Like when you first started to get work, was it a case of kind of you know? Did oh. you all the time. Still now, when I get a job, my first reaction is one. Was is it a mistake? Because it definitely me that they they didn't mean to hire like Kimberly Dixon or something, did they? Can we like check? Um, and the second one is that it's all a joke, and that I'll turn up on the first on the first day, and they'll be like, no, not really, not really. Um, and it takes me a while to like settle into the into the job and like feel that I deserve to be there. Even now, when I'm in my like late thirties and I've been doing it a long time. Um, and I, I think it is that working class element that you, um, yeah, like, oh, how am I here? How am I on this huge, like, Amazon Prime period piece set, you know, in, like, ridiculous costume with, like, famous people? And, like, I live in Ponty, do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I definitely, I do get that all the time. But since, um, since having my little boy and having a really bad um postnatal OCD episode I'm kind of checking myself on that a lot more and going no get stop it you do you know you deserve to be here you you, you trained you've worked you've you've paid your dues you know what I mean so I'm definitely not letting myself get away with that kind of thinking anymore yeah it takes practice doesn't it I always find it myself it really does but then suddenly does. Suddenly, and you think this isn't getting anywhere, 
it's like trying to save I always say that with like um OCD and compulsions and things which I'm sure we'll get into is that it's like you're trying to save a million pounds with a penny at a time and it feels absolutely important like every time you don't do a compulsion and you put a penny in the in the piggy bank it's like well yeah but I'm absolutely nowhere near my like target um, and suddenly, while well, as time passes and you and you you keep doing it, and your ch- you know your your thinking changes, um, suddenly you you are nearly at a million pounds, or you are thinking differently. You are you know your go to old way of thinking isn't isn't what's happening anymore, and it's that that's been really satisfying over. I I think especially over the past like six months. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a, a while for that shift. I suppose if you stack up enough small wins, they equal a big one. Right. But I yeah, was but like, it, it I always find myself. Possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I always find myself saying things like, you know, uh, I don't know, an opportunity will come up and I'll say, oh yeah, like I'm really lucky. And I have to catch myself and say, I'm not lucky. I worked really fucking hard. Like, the, yes. you know, like if there's any luck, I made that luck and yes. you know, like it, you have to kind I of. I remember, um, is it Pete, Peter Dinklage, you know, the actor from Game of Thrones? And um, I remember him doing an interview and everyone was like, you know, kind of um, overnight success and lucky and, uh, and you know, and all this kind of thing. And he's like, I've been in the industry for like 20 years. I've like lived in crappy apartments in New York, you know, doing three jobs at a time so that I can I can do that play for no money. And and that, and I've gone to a thousand auditions that I never got and but all those auditions needed me to read the scripts and learn the lines and all that unpaid work you know and then you get a big a big break so for him like Game of Thrones and everyone thinks that it just happened and you have to catch yourself into not yeah oh yeah no I'm really lucky I'm really lucky that they but it's not it's not it's it's a it's a culmination of a lot of hard work and practice and it's exactly the same for OCD yeah yeah definitely I mean you know mentioning OCD there Kim when did that kind of enter the picture for you when you mentioned around pregnancy but was that the first time you'd kind of come across it before no so I'd had it obviously I've had it my whole life I just didn't know that's what it was called and I didn't know that 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 what I had was as was a type of OCD it wasn't what I'd seen I mean, I'm an actor, so I, you know, I should sort of know better, but it wasn't what I'd seen on the telly, <laughs> you know, I, it wasn't, um, it, I didn't do excessive hand washing, I didn't flick light switches on and off, you know, that to me, that was what I'd seen on the, on the TV or films about, uh, you know, the sort of portrayal of someone with OCD, and so nothing I did fit into that. So I just, to be honest, thought my brain was a bit broken <laughs> because I had a very strange way of thinking. And I had a really uh, bad episode in my final year of drama school that themingly came out of nowhere and I had no idea what it was. And it took me it took me a good year to kind of get over it. And then when I gave birth to my son, I had a great pregnancy, even though it was through COVID and everything like that, you know, I was I really enjoyed it and we were so looking forward to meeting him because it was like IVF, five years. Um, it just the like the night before we watched like a Marvel film and had a curry and we were going in the next day and you know and we were just so ready to meet him. And I just became really unwell really quickly, like as soon as as soon as he was born. Um and again, it was very similar to the 
the thing that the kind of episode that had happened to me in that final year of drama school so that would have been like what 15 years before or something um so I was like oh no it's this again this thing's happening again um and obviously with a, with a baby and my OCD themes being around harm coming to my baby and stuff like that obviously it was like a thousandfold than it was before but I wasn't fitting in postnatal depression I wasn't really ticking those boxes um I mean obviously you do get depressed if you're I think if you have any mental health condition that's left untreated I think depression and anxiety naturally come from that because of course they will because you can't live like that without without feeling depressed um but I just never heard of postnatal OCD and I came across it and it was like tick 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 um and then I then I learned more and more and I got diagnosed and and then I learned about pure O about the purely obsessional so that so all my compulsions are mental and I'd never heard that before I never even knew that was a thing I didn't know that could be part of OCD um and so since my son was born, you know, two and a half years ago, it's it's um, it's been a really long road to recovery, but also having to completely rewire my brain and um, and and I go, I I went back to factory settings really, and I had to like I had to learn how to how to think again in a in a healthy way because what happened, how I spiraled so quickly. And no one seemed to know what to do with me when I was begging for like help from medical professionals. Um, no one seemed to know what to do, and I just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And it was it was the worst time in my life. It, it, it'll it'll be the it'll be the thing that I compare all awful things in my life to. It was the worst. It was the worst thing. And then when I started to get better and I started to talk about it more, I realized how common it was, and it made me angry and sad that more pregnant women didn't know it was an option because suddenly you have this little tiny baby and then you're bombarded with intrusive thoughts like horrible thoughts the worst kind of thoughts you could possibly think and they're bombarding you and because you're because you're you know, a normal human being, you're like, where are these coming from? What does this mean? And you try to analyze it and you try to like work out what it means about you and your values and, and everything. And that, and I went down that rabbit hole for like 18 months, basically. I was stuck on, um, in like a mental loop and I was doing mental compulsions and I couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. Um, and so now I'm better. I'm just, like determined to to talk about it more and to let people know that it's normal and it's okay and it's fairly common for for pregnant women and new mothers um it's nothing to be ashamed of it's nothing you know I was convinced if I if I spoke to anybody they were going to take my baby away from me that's what I was terrified of so you try to deal with it and it doesn't get better it gets worse so that's where I talk about it more now yeah. And it, you know, it's so important to do exactly that. And it, yeah. it, I think when there's a new baby in the house, it, like I, um, I don't have OCD, but I have an anxiety disorder and, um, my brain broke properly after my son was born. That's kind of, that's what did for me. Mm-hmm. And there's so much that goes on around that time with a new baby in the house that 
like overlaps with being mentally ill. So it's yeah. really hard to say, because if you say to people, oh, I'm really struggling, they go, what's up? They go, oh, well, I'm really tired. They go, well, you've got a baby. And you go, yeah, my emotions are all over the place. And they go, yeah, but you've got a new baby in the house. Yeah. There's so much that can be put down to just, just being a new parent. Yes. It, it can be hard to separate. Well, take, yeah, exactly. I mean, take my husband, for example. So the two of us were going through the... Uh, the same I mean maybe not physically the same thing because obviously I was recovering from the birth but the, the same um, life-changing experience of becoming parents for the first time and his mental health definitely suffered but not as a not to the extreme so I think most people like suddenly you're not sleeping you take sleep away from anybody like I remember one sort of midwife saying to me you know there's a reason that they use it as a torture device it's really really effective um and there was one point where my intrusive thoughts and images were so um sort of vibrant and unrelenting I didn't sleep for 10 days I didn't actually literally didn't sleep and that sent me you can't do that you literally can't function your brain needs you to like power down to so I was sort of you know, I wasn't filtering out any spam. <laughs> I, was just, <laughs> I was getting it all while I was conscious and it was just, just the worst. But, you know, my husband had intrusive thoughts around harm coming to the baby, you know, oh God, what if I drop him? What if I fall down the stairs? What if, what if when I'm bathing him, I look away for a second and he drowns and all these, you know, just these things that flip into your mind. But the difference was with my husband that he, he wouldn't latch onto it. And he wouldn't obsessively think about it and analyze it and think that it meant something. And that was where we realized it was a problem. Yeah. It's, um, I always like to say that with, when it comes to like mental illness, it doesn't bring anything to the party. It takes normal things and it just <laughs> whacks them on steroids. Right. That's the, that's the difference. It's not, it's not a coming in. It's the same sort of thoughts that everyone else has. It's how those thoughts behave and how, how big they are and how all consuming they are. That's uh, yeah. That's and that's what took me a really long time for a very long time. And I know that I know that other people with, with OCD try to do this. You try to get rid of the thoughts. You try to stop thinking. You, you try to, you try to not, you don't want your brain to be thinking about these awful things. You don't want this, this 24 seven uh, horror film playing in your head about what could happen to the the, the person you love the most in the world you know, you can't, it's, it's, it is a torture. It is, it is horrid. And so you try to stop it. And the more you stop it and push it away, the, the harder it comes. So it took me a very long time to realize that the thoughts aren't the problem. My reaction to them is. And that's so like, that seems like such a simple sentence, but when you're in the thick of it and now I'm better, I can see that. And I understand that, that it was complete. It was my the thing that was making me ill was how I was reacting to those thoughts, not the thoughts themselves. And it, it that takes training and practice. And like we were saying before, you know, I, it, I'm not lucky I'm better. You know, it's taken a really long time and it's taken a, a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, that's what they call therapy, right? They call it the work, doing the work. Yeah. And that yeah. is the work, do the work. Yeah, exactly. And ERP, so for those who don't, um, exposure response prevention is kind of like the, the gold standard of OCD therapy. Um, 
because for a lot of people with OCD, they can send you to the, you know, general therapy, but but talking about the thoughts isn't helpful to you because that's not the problem. So ERP is your is is about changing your exposing yourself to your fears and then changing your response to it. And for a long time, it feels like it's not working. In fact, it feels like it's making you worse. Um, and then suddenly you start to get these little glimmers of light through and, and you start to see, it's like the work starts to pay off. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, I've been going to, it's like I've been going to the gym every day for like six months and I don't look any different. It's so infuriating and I'm putting all the work in and then suddenly you're just absolutely ripped. <laughs> <laughs> like suddenly you've got a six packing like ah oh, there it is oh, okay so it, it's kind of that payoff it's like you're not seeing it for a long time and then suddenly suddenly the 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 work you put in does pay off but it, it's a hard road yeah yeah very much so how did you get to the point Kim where you could start to walk walk that road you know like how did you start to to reach out because I think one of the hardest things about having those types of thoughts is that to ask for help, you're going to have to tell someone what you're thinking. And because of the nature of the thought, you don't want, don't want to admit to having them. Right. Well, yes. And I think that is the, is the more common route for, for women with post with perinatal OCD, because it can happen during pregnancy too, um, is that they don't, they don't want to talk about the content of their thoughts. And um, because it, because the, they think they're a monster and 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 that just the more you do your compulsions the more that gets drilled into you um strangely for me I think because I've always been very aware of my uh mental health and I like I said I'd had that bad episode before not knowing it was an OCD episode that when it came around again um my husband who was my boyfriend at the time then when it came we had we kind of had a shorthand and I went I think it's happening again and he was like okay and I thought maybe it was baby blues for a few weeks and then it kind of turned to a month and then it was like mm. and then I I just looked at him and I said something's wrong I know something's wrong like something's wrong and we got on it really fast he was like right okay great let's get to this get to the doctor's and we did. And I was honest from the beginning, like it was the hardest, most heartbreaking thing I've ever done. I, I think it feels like the bravest thing I've ever done is in the depths of utter despair, being honest with strangers about about what's going on in your brain, about the like the darkest recesses of your brain and what what you're thinking and what you're stuck on. And I did that from the start thinking, yeah, but that's how you get better you need to get better you need to get better so you need to be honest be the more honest you are the better you'll you'll be and I think in the beginning I was in front of people who didn't have an understanding of OCD or certainly postnatal OCD and it, it did it didn't help it made me worse and so that's why again I want to talk about it more because I want like medical professionals I want perinatal mental health people to have a better understanding of what of what OCD and pregnancy and and like postpartum is, um, because I was kind of being met with a reaction of oh, oh, um, and it just compounded my feelings of sorry, it's the dishwasher. <laughs> compounding my feelings of like feeling like a freak, feeling like I'm the only one in the world who's ever had this. There's no cure. 
this is going to be my life for the rest of my life. I, I can't bear it. And so eventually when I got very, very unwell, um, it got to like suicidal ideation because it was like, how can I get away from this? How can I get away from it? I can't sleep to get away from it. I can't think of something else. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't read a book. I couldn't do anything. It was, there was nothing else in my life apart from caring for my baby and intense OCD. Um, and so somebody's really beeping. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, yeah, it was it, 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 it was a really hard time. I think I hit rock bottom a few times and then I realised, okay, something's got to change and I started seeing an OCD therapist and that's when things started to like very specific but it was private I'm gonna I'm just gonna open the dishwasher yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, it's not kids and animals um yeah so I went uh why are you still beeping I opened you <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Okay, I switched it off. I switched it off. I'm so sorry. Not at all. Not at all. Um, pleasures of Zoom. Um, yes, I went to uh, I went to an OCD specialist privately because what they were offering me on the NHS during uh, COVID was oh, in about eight weeks' time, you can have six weeks worth of group therapy on Zoom, <laughs> and it was like. Oh, you want me to go onto a screen with a bunch of strangers who are also obviously having a difficult time and and bear my soul and you think that's gonna be helpful. <laughs> um so we went private and it completely wipes wipes our savings. Like that was it. You know, I'm a freelancer in a in an industry that was shut down by COVID. I spent years building this nest egg so that you know I don't get maternity leave and stuff so that when I oh god I mean this is do you see what I mean it is like a madhouse here it's, it's, just, <laughs> con it's just constant it's like it's like a farce there's like people coming in different my dog's got a nemesis down the road and the late the lady walks it twice a day and so when it goes past the house that's it ah oh. right okay I'm so sorry this is not at all you can't edit life right you can't just right. how it is this is me getting this Get the biscuit tin out, Bob. There you go. Right, come and sit here. Everything's fine. I've seen that dog every day for five years. Um, yeah, you know, it 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 completely wiped us out. And in the end, I had to stop because I hadn't been earning any money. You know, we had a baby, me and my husband are freelancers. Um, uh, but I continued to try and use everything I'd learned in therapy, and uh, you know, I did a lot of I did a lot of reading and a lot of learning about OCD and about pure OCD and about postnatal OCD um and the other big change for me was was learning or like demanding of myself that I that you know people say self-compassion and kind to yourself and all that kind of stuff and I think before all this had happened I always thought that kind of meant like go for a massage or, you know, I don't know, just like take yourself for a little trip for a retail therapy or something like that. But I mean, I when I say be kind to myself, I mean, no, you do deserve to have a shower or you have to brush your teeth. You have to get up and brush your teeth, have a shower and take the baby to the park. And 
it feels impossible and you feel like you don't deserve it but you've got to do it anyway and you push through and you push through and suddenly you do feel like you deserve it and in fact it's not about deserving it it's a it's a basic it's a basic thing you know um eating and washing and all those sorts of things but they all felt I felt so um ruined by what had happened inside my brain and so sort of wretched and so I don't know I felt like stained by it all because for like 18 best part of 18 months I'd just been seeing just the worst possible things you could think of all day long 24 7 and I, I yeah I kind of I kept I remember I kept saying yeah I feel stained on the inside and I remember my husband saying yeah but you're not you just feel because I was saying it like it was a fact like oh no I'm I've ruined everything I've ruined the beginning of the baby's life um I'll never be a good mum like I'll never forgive myself for this uh you know do you know what I mean it's all these mm. things it was all it was all very black and white thinking it was all very like the fight this is it this is it this is the end of the world everything's ruined you, you'll you can never go back um and you can't go back but you can move forward in a way that's that's new and healthy and actually better than you than in your worst moments thought it could be yeah yeah completely I always used to find that at my lowest point I could get through I could kind of drag myself through a day as long as I never saw myself if I caught like a mirror if I if if you turn the telly off and you see your reflection something like that when I looked at me that was when I would um mirrors was a huge a huge thing like just avoiding them at all costs um you know take, taking no pride in your personal appearance in that in that i mean like i say basic things like showering that you deserve to you know like having a nice freshly brushed teeth and mouth and minty felt like a luxury i didn't deserve because of what a terrible person i was because of these horrible intrusive thoughts that I couldn't get rid of that I thought meant something and when I slowly the kinder I was to myself the better I started to get um and I catch myself now you know there'll be a kind of very like subconscious thinking of you don't deserve that and I so I do it on purpose so I do it I do it you know I I buy that thing or I um you know I I go on that walk or whatever the thing is I do it as a sort of air you to that kind of thinking um that that old way of thinking that I've had my whole life um and and like we were saying with the imposter syndrome now I'm like as an as an F you I'll like walk into the room thinking I deserve to be there even if I don't fully feel it yeah yeah, definitely. I feel sometimes when those old old thought patterns when they slip, it always I'm always amazed how comfortable it feels. I know. You know, you try so hard to be away from it and you think this is the new me. I've got this now. This is sound. Yeah. And then normally if I'm tired and I'm stressed and I'm over caffeinated and the kids are going mad and life's just a little bit too fast and something just flicks through my head and I'm like, oh gosh, that's that's familiar. That's uh... the oldest like comfiest pair of jeans you've ever had. <laughs> it really? so just like no all your like crevices and all your do you know what I mean they just yeah just and it and it and it's so deceptively comforting and it's not comforting at all because it makes you feel terrible 
and it, and in those moments that that that's sort of with the where the bravery lies of like not not lying back in that and going no no you don't have to think this way you don't have to think the way you've always thought and the way that you think isn't necessarily the truth yeah which it's just more... assume as you're growing up you you think things a certain way and that just becomes your reality but actually that's not that's not true yeah, it's like we all we all think we're the lead in our own movie, right? Yeah. And everyone else is the supporting cast, but yes. everyone's having their own movie. So like what you yeah. think and is I'm like an largely actor, irrelevant. So you can triple that to yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So like as you start to feel better and as you start to come out the other side, this mm-hmm. is it's, it's, I, I feel like I'm asking a lot of people this at the moment. I think it's because it's something I'm going through myself. But I found mm-hmm. as I started to get better and I had to relaunch this new me into the world I found it I I realized I've only been realizing more recently how safe I've been playing it because my biggest fear is doing something and getting sick again right so I'll turn down big work opportunities I'm really I go to bed really early because I'm very worried about getting tired because when I was tired bad things happened right and it's only this has only been pointed out to me recently and I'm kind of like oh I wonder if anyone else has experienced this but you've got a job where you have to travel and be away from home and all these things how how did those things interact as you started to get better (laughs) um Yes. I mean, yes, yes, yes. And all to yes to all of it, uh, but basically, but no, I know, I know what you mean. I know tiredness when I was very, very tired with a newborn, just you've got your, you've got your general newborn, you've given birth, you've got a newborn who needs you every, every five minutes, tiredness. Um, and then on top of that, you're unwell mentally. So that added, you know, that added to it. And the more and more tired I got, the worse I got. So I did for a very long time. I was oversleeping as a sort of, and I caught myself because I realized you're oversleeping so that you don't get tired, so that you don't get ill again. But oh, but too much sleep isn't good for you either. You know, so everything in, everything in kind of moderation. Um, and so this year, I, I've definitely gone into this year, um, and we're like in August now, so kind of flying by, but I've just been saying yes to a lot of stuff that would norm, no, that my initial instinct is, is to just say no. So if I get an email from my agent and somebody's asked me to do something, normally if it's as myself or an interview or, a, or an event or something like that, oh, absolutely not, no, 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 no. And since the baby, doubly no, I don't want people to see me. I don't, you know, God, what if they think that this about how I look and that and, oh God, and so I've just been emailing back straight away, yes. And then I'll worry about it later. <laughs> and I've had so many fantastic um, opportunities this year that have come from from that yes, Kim, <laughs> sort of overriding the no, 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 Kim. Um, because, you know, something's often a, a bit of time away. So there'll be it'll kind of something will come in January. Will you do this in March? And I say no, but then just say yes, and you'll worry about it in March. And then it comes to March, and you're feeling a bit better, and you go to the to the event or you do the interview, and it's not as scary as you thought it was going to be. Nothing's ever as scary or as frightening as your mind. Like your mind can do it far worse than reality ever can. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, yeah. And I think that's been a huge part of my of my most recent recovery and and getting back to myself and being like braver and um caring less what people think about me. That was always a big thing for me. I was always a huge people pleaser and worried that worried that someone wouldn't like me or they 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 would think I'm ugly or they would think I'm fat or they would think I'm not good at my job or just all these things it was so ingrained in my who I was and I'm taking the opportunity to change that now because I I don't want to think like that and so I don't um and so yeah I've just said yes to like a ton of stuff which is which has been amazing and I've met I've made loads of new friends this year I've done different projects I've you know I, I did a Christmas film um, and I went to live in Dorset for a few weeks um, I, I've been to Budapest shooting a period drama um, for Disney um, just even like little things like things on Instagram where people will ask me to do something and you no 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 and it's like yeah okay I'll think about it later and then I've gone to some incredible events like you 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 getting in touch with me asking to do this my initial thing is no of course not god no but I was like yeah okay see you then I'll think about it then but it's good this isn't as scary as I thought it was going to be and um and nothing ever is and so I'm kind of just jumping in feet first all the time now because I don't want to play it safe because I can't I can't be afraid of getting I think for a long time part half of your recovery is I want to get better and the other half of you is or if I go backwards and I don't want that I don't want to I don't want to fear getting ill again I want to I want to know that if I were to become unwell again that I can get over it and I'm certainly getting to a place where that's true Mm. you can't unlearn all the things you've learned right that's what my exactly. therapist always says to me. So you can't yeah. unlearn all the things you've, all the things yeah. you've learned. It's like I don't know. You recover to get well, and then you have to recover more to to live. You know, to to because I could be well in my self little contained bubble where everything's nice and safe. Yes, but yeah. it wouldn't be much of a life long term. No. You know, I think when you have a very serious like mental health episode that's triggered by something traumatic. So for me, you know, a kind of traumatic birth, and then just suddenly the responsibility of of having a human being that I remember my husband made a joke about the newborn phase being like the scariest Tamagotchi ever (laughs) and he was kind of laughing about it as a sort of like oh this is hard isn't it this is like the responsibility is like crushing and it's you know whereas for me it was like if I look away from him for a sec if I don't stare at him the whole time something terrible is going to happen to him. When he cries, if I don't get to him within 10 seconds and I would count in my head, he will die um, and it will be your fault. And um, if it's, so I put all these rules into place that I was desperately trying to live by and you just can't, it's not sustainable. And so when you're first trying to, when you have one of those very intense episodes, um, at first it was survival. It was like kind of just I would look at the clock just make it to midday make it to midday that's all you've got to do just make it to midday without just exist until midday and then slowly slowly like you say once you are surviving surviving isn't living and then when you get to living that's not thriving and then you want to 
so I'm kind of like pushing myself into the thriving bit um and it's super uncomfortable and it's not <laughs> it it's the work it's the work like you said it's the work the work the work that, that feels like it's never paying off and then suddenly suddenly it will um and uh and I'm looking forward to things which has been absent from my life for the last couple of years since my baby you know I couldn't even think of tomorrow and then it was sort of next week and then next month and now I'm like actively looking forward to to like a family holiday that we're going to have rather than dreading it I'm because I know that my OCD is coming with me but now I know my OCD is coming with me and it's going to be fine um I'm really looking forward to Christmas you know my little boy's much more aware of what it is the that first Christmas he was born in October so that first Christmas I was very very poorly um and Christmas is my absolute favorite time of year and we'd been trying for such a long time to have a baby and then I don't know the idea of what this first Christmas was going to be like with with our son um it wasn't just not that dreamlike you know kind of Christmas Eve hanging the stockings up the baby peacefully sleeping the little ones you know and all this kind of stuff it it was a living nightmare <laughs> so it was it it was unreal and then by the next Christmas when I still wasn't better I thought well, that's it then I'm never going to get better time became a really big thing for me oh it's been it's been six weeks it's been six months it's been over a year it's been nearly two years um and my husband calls me out when I when he catches me doing that, that I think time means something more than it does. You know what I mean? Like that, like if I was to have an episode now and I I need to be better by Christmas and if I'm not, it's all over. <laughs> it's like, it's not, it's, it's so black and white and, and it's it's learning to like live in the gray and live live and in the uncertainty and and actually thrive in it and know that it's okay and know you can handle it it's yeah. a weird thing yeah it's like trying to trying to control everything isn't it you know trying to control everything and keep it perfect and um yeah, yeah it's so it's so hard it's so hard what well, um i'm really interested in your your decision to start speaking openly on on social media as well kim because that's a that's a brave thing to do you know, I don't know, I think it doesn't matter what job you do. We're always worried that our mental health is going to affect our work, you know, and then how yeah. are people going to, you know, when we say something or post something on Instagram, how are people going <laughs> to you take that and respond to it? So how, why did you decide in the first place to start speaking so openly? Well, it wasn't bravery at all. It was, um, I wasn't on social media as, for, as an actor um, and I was doing a TV show uh, in Wales. It was the first one since my little boy was born. So he was about sort of six, seven months old. And we actually filmed it in Cardiff, which I never get to film near home. So it was kind of, it was ideal. And it was, with, it was a second series of something. So I knew the people. It was very, it was a great first post-pregnancy job. Um and they were all on Instagram. They're like, you should go on Instagram. And I love wearing dungarees. And so uh, they were like, well, if you go on Instagram, you'll they'll give you free dungarees. So as a joke, I kind of joined to get free dungarees. I mean, it's been like, what, two years? Not nothing, not a whiff of Nothing at all. Not, not, not even nothing. What a not waste. A, what a waste of time. 
yeah, I literally got into this for the free dungarees um, and uh, nothing happened. And so, and I kind of thought maybe Instagram was a bit vacuous or a bit like, here's my posh lunch and here's me in a bikini on the beach. And I was, this was me at a time where it was like, I was clock watching, like, can you get to midday? Do you know what I mean? So Instagram life was very far removed from that. And I'd given up really I just I'd given up I thought I thought I was going to be that unwell forever that I only had one way out and it was the most drastic way out that was sort of my backup plan if if it got worse and worse and worse still and I didn't give a shit (laughs) what someone thought like compared to like Kim say like the Kim the year before thinking oh my god if you put something on Instagram and what if someone what if someone says they don't like the dress you're wearing or what if someone says they they don't like that tv show you did or they think you're a crap actor or they you know just oh how much that would have like that's my normal OCD you know that's my general everyday OCD that I you know that now is like yeah that's cool I'm good with that um now it was okay so I started dipping my toe really into speaking out about how how unwell I was and how um it wasn't what I was seeing on Instagram and kept seeing I kept seeing all these women have babies and then just be perfect and all be in white and their babies are in white and their their houses are all immaculately white and they're always on holiday and they're smiling and they're always made up and they don't look tired and they seem to be enjoying every single moment of it what's wrong with me what's wrong with me and it was sort of adding to it so I was like Meh. I don't feel like this. Does anyone else not feel like this? And then suddenly people start to say, oh God, I don't feel like this. That was, you know, my 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 kids are in their 20s and I, I don't think I've ever gotten over how unwell I was after having them. And so I kind of, I kind of used the postnatal depression umbrella just because I knew that people understood what that meant it meant oh you've just had a baby and that you're having a hard time okay so there was a sort of shorthand where they didn't really ask any questions and then I just started getting more and more specific and talking about it more and the more I talked about it the more people talked about it back to me and it was the most incredible thing and over the past couple of years I must have had thousands of messages from people and all kinds of people uh women men um men who are trying to support their partners and they can see and just people coming to me saying I had no idea that this was a thing and that it was common I thought I was a monster I thought it was just me in mum and baby groups they've never talked about this stuff before um like you're allowed to feel sad but you're not allowed to feel terrified um and you're allowed to worry about the safety of your baby but you're not allowed to worry that you might be a danger to your baby and so it was all these like unspeakable things and I was like to be honest if I'm being very very honest it was like I don't think I'm going to be around for that long to be honest so I'm I may as well just help someone out (laughs) I may as well you know and then as I started to get better and better um because you know when I was very ill I was like desperately googling all through the night trying to find something something that would give me some shred of like relief or comfort and I wasn't finding it and then I did on the mind website I found a woman had written an article about um postnatal OCD 
and it was like it was just like the lights came on because it was I wasn't alone and I often think of I made a promise to myself that if I survived it and if I got better and I ever got to a point where I could I would be that for somebody else online you know that that they're feeling these things and then they come across that Welsh girl that they sometimes see on the telly talking about stuff that other people aren't talking about but but hits home so hard and makes you feel less alone and makes you feel braver to talk to a doctor about it um and that was it really that was my only it, it started with not giving a crap because I was just in survival mode so you know I thought my career was over anyway um and then I started talking about my mental health I was like it's definitely over now um you know who's gonna want to hire me I'm gonna you know um because you do you worry if you talk about your mental health that you're gonna look unstable that you're gonna look unreliable and I had to remind myself that I've had OCD my whole life and I've had terrible episodes before this bad one and I've always worked I've always done my job I've always been super diligent and you know I always know my lines I'm always early I'm all you know what I mean all those things that that's always happened throughout my career whilst having OCD so why should anything be different now um and the more people spoke back to me the braver I got and that literally was it it was it was the compassion and the kindness of people saying just some people saying I have no idea what what that feels like to have OCD it sounds horrible um thanks for talking about it I've you know I've learned something even if it was just that I'd be like wow okay but then sometimes you get a message and honestly it just makes the whole thing worthwhile because I'll get a message from like a new mum who's like eight weeks in or something to having a new baby and they don't think that they can go on and then they suddenly come across my stupid Instagram page where I've done a stupid video um talking about intrusive thoughts talking about thoughts of harm talking about um mental compulsions being stuck not you know being terrified being terrified to go near your own baby because you think you might hurt them it is absolutely terrifying like there's no and it's heartbreaking and it's cruel because it he, he was the only thing we wanted you know we'd been married for a long time we'd done IVF all of these things he was finally here and I physically couldn't go to the other side of the room to go and hold him because it 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 hurt um and so when I get messages from women who are back in that place and say but um I don't know because you said it and I'd seen you on the telly and something I thought it was okay for me to tell my midwife for me to tell my GP and it's like cool good I'm done then that's all I wanted yeah, it's such a powerful thing, isn't it? It's such a powerful thing. I, I, I relate to that so much. You know, I used to sit up through the night googling frantically, really weird things. I used to Google to just try and find some, some answers. Yeah. Also, half hoping that my wife would discover my search history so yeah. that she would know how bad I was because I couldn't tell her. You know, yeah. like, and I was yeah. like, oh. Why can't I have one of those wives that checks the, you know, mine doesn't check my search history. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's all this stuff here she yeah, needs to why find. Why is she more suspicious of me? Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
and I never knew any of this stuff was out there. And like now I talk about it all the time and I sometimes forget how many people still don't because yes. I talk about it with people who still talk about it. And every now and again, I'll get a message or I'll see something. I'll think, oh yeah, shit, I'm in a little echo chamber here where yes. I just speak it's nice to everyone right. who speaks nice, but there's so yeah. many people out there who need to need to hear yeah. these conversations. Like we're past the being scared to talk about it phase, but you forget how long and how scary that phase is. Um, I've masked my OCD my entire life. I've never, I didn't know I was, one, I didn't know I had OCD and two, I didn't know that what I was doing was masking it. But, but that's exactly what I was doing. I was trying to hide my sort of neurodivergent brain because I thought I would get judged or I would get, uh, you know, that I become some sort of pariah. Um, and especially when I had very bad dips it was very much hide. So my husband would know, but no one else would know. Like my friends and family wouldn't know. I would just uh, retreat for a couple of days until it passed. And then I would come back out into the world and no one would know any different. And I think that what could have happened with, um, with my postnatal OCD, considering that it was during um, COVID and the whole world like basically shut down, is that I could have hunkered down, even though it lasted a long time, and I'm literally talking the two years, two and a half years, you know, I'm still still working through it now. I could have probably hunkered down and then about now emerged and pretended that I just had some downtime to have a baby and I, I wanted to stay at home with the baby and I took a bit of time out of my career or whatever, you know, you, you could just uh and and put some nice pictures on instagram of me and my baby and sunny walking through the park with a latte and no one would ever have known and i could have done that easily and i should have possibly done that there were times when i was like you are it's like you're trying to sabotage your career but i something in the back of me knew it was the right thing to do and knew that to be truthful was was the best way um and so, yeah, <laughs> so that's what I did. Um, and I kind of haven't looked back, really. But you are right. We forget we forget what that time is like when you're scared to tell. You're, you're scared to tell your nearest and dearest, let alone a, a clinician, which is a sort of, with is a safety net of a sort of confidentiality, um, let alone <laughs> telling the world that you you know that you're terrified you're a terrible mum you know what I mean like what are you thinking well it's like well I wasn't I wasn't thinking but <laughs> yeah I couldn't um, yeah I couldn't I literally couldn't think so um now I'm just so I'm so glad I did that and I'm so proud of that really unwell Kim for doing that because I I know how unwell she was <laughs> so um and now I'm just not gonna shut up because like you say people still don't know people in the in the mental health profession still don't really understand OCD um I get it all the time I don't tick boxes that that would fit nicely with OCD and they're kind of like stuck because it's all flow charts and oh yeah but if I if you don't tick at least six of these ten I can't then pass you on to the next level kind of you know it's it's some weird like video game and they're like, do you obsessively check locks in the oven? No, I don't. 
do you obsessively hand wash? You know, contamination OCD is not one of my, isn't one of my themes. It's just not. Um, but my actual OCD themes are completely debilitating and shut my whole life down. <laughs> but you can't, there's no box for that for you to tick. <laughs> so if anything, if I wanted anything to come out of all of this, it'd be to get new forms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because sometimes like, I don't know, I, I remember my first venture into therapy and I remember say, sitting there with my first therapist and saying like, what, what's, what's wrong with me? Is there a name for it? Like, what, what is <laughs> yeah. this? And I remember him saying to him, well, like, does it matter? Like he said, you're clearly not well at all. Yeah. Like, let's just focus on getting you well. Let's not worry about what it was. And to me, that was so, that was really empowering, you know, to be like, okay, yeah. just admitting that I'm sick. We'll worry about the rest later. We'll worry about what it's called. Yeah. Let's just, let's just start to get better and then we'll figure all, figure <laughs> yeah, all that out. It's like right? literally having like a gunshot wound and going, is there a name for this? It's like, well, let's just. <laughs> Let's just take the bullet out first, you yeah. know, let's, let's that. The same with uh, those forms, right? Trying yeah. desperately to put you in a little box. It's like, let's worry about the boxes later. Let's make I sure know, you're but safe. I think when I was unwell, it, it made me worse because it was like, oh God, I'm not fitting it. There was this, this, there was this idea that I didn't have something maybe that had a name or that I didn't, that I just wanted to fit in. Like, I know it sounds awful because I know how awful uh, postnatal depression can be but I was almost begging that I could have postnatal depression because at least then people would understand at least I would tick some boxes at least there was a sort of pathway to like treatment and recovery um what I seemed to have was just throwing up oh oh dear um oh god oh uh right not quite sure what to do with you um and it was just my OCD would then go see told you <laughs> told you you are a freak you are you are a monster but do your compulsions and everything will be fine um and and that you know that's how it got you and I think there was this I don't know there's this like herd mentality you want to be like why can't I just be like everyone else which is such a misnomer because no one else is like everyone else so it doesn't there's there isn't this like herd of like super healthy mentally healthy people or mentally healthy mums who have just like given birth and it didn't hurt and now they've got their baby and they've got a full face of makeup and a, and a blow dry. Those women don't really exist because when you actually speak to those women and go, did, did you find any part of birth or pregnancy difficult? Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I really struggled with this. I really struggled with that. And I remember what actually broke through to me when I was quite unwell was my husband found me I was crying I was crying I was like on Facebook and uh I was just like well, why can't I just do it like everybody else and he said what do you mean by that and I said well everyone else just has a has a baby and gets on with it and they look they all look so happy and why is this so difficult and dark for me and he just said Kim if someone looked at your Facebook they would think exactly the same thing. They think that you'd had a baby and now you were having a lovely time because every now and then you post a picture of you and the baby. Because I've got kind of got like a friends and family Facebook, you know, like a private one. And I and it, that I think that's what also gave me the impetus to not to be more truthful on Instagram. 
because I was adding to it. And he was he was right. If you'd have seen my Facebook in the first six months after my baby was born, you'd have assumed I was just a happy go lucky mum. Look at us out with little matching woolly hats. Look at us, you know. God, what was going on behind those eyes, you know? Which is why I always show that if you on my Instagram, one of the first things I did was put a picture up, and it was taken um, a day or two apart, and one. I was still pretending and I put makeup on and I had a lovely picture with my baby and, you know, oh, cute. And the other, I was in the middle of, I was taking my dog for a walk. I was in the middle of the forest and my brain broke and I couldn't, I lit, couldn't go on. And I took a picture because I knew that it was, I knew that point was the, was the, was the sort of rock bottom of my life. And I don't know why I took a picture of it. Because I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't showing anyone. But anyway, so I put those two next to each other because it's not real. And social media isn't real. You know what I mean? And and I just like to be really honest on this so that when you do see me, when I do put a nice happy picture up, it's it's truthful. I am having a great day. I am having a nice time. You know, I've, I've really documented on there, you know, I'm not Instagram ready on there. What, <laughs> you know, because I could, I couldn't be. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. you know, if 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 having a shower feels like a treat, <laughs> then you know, doing a full blown like photo shoot with your baby is is another on another planet. You know, so I just wanted to be, I just wanted to be honest, and I and I was getting lots of honest feedback back from that. Yeah, that really comes across. It's so authentic and really refreshing because I think like everyone's to blame for how Instagram is used. Because <laughs> everyone says, oh, everyone on Instagram just pretends life's perfect. Oh, hang on a sec. I'm just going to post this picture of my holiday. You know, like yeah. at some point we've got to stop saying it and like stop doing I think it. That's, you know? that's what it was. It was like, oh, here's a candid like selfie of me having a great time. But But what was interesting to me was Yes, but you can't be the only one. I'm sure everyone else is taking 50 of those pictures and then trying to find the, the best one. And then where they look, they think they look the best or the, the skinniest, and then they whack a filter on it. And then it's just like, oh, just out having a drink, you know? And it's like, that's not true. Like, there's there was there was anxiety under that. So just show it. Just say it. And um, the more I did it, the more it was like, yeah. So it's um, I don't know. I, I I don't think I can. I don't think I can ever go back now to not. <laughs> I've put too much like, uh, too much of the truth out out there of what really happened to me for me to ever go back now. Yeah, and that's really freeing, right? I always kind of see it as um a bit like Eminem in Eight Mile at the end, that last battle at the end when he says <laughs> all the stuff about him. him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and the, the guy's got nothing to say to him, right? He can't rhyme against that because he's told him everything that's gonna, well, gonna happen. Kind so. of, kind of. All those like all those little insecurities that everyone has, but maybe if you've got OCD, you latch onto them a bit more of just walking into a room with your head down because you think everyone's staring at you and you think everyone's making comments about you. And then actually, if you just lift your head up, everyone else is worried about themselves. They're not worried about you. Um, but the kind of the bravery to lift your head up, it feels impossible. Um, and 
all those like yeah there's little there's little tiny things you're constantly it's like now I can't really be worried about that what am I what am I going to be I I've said whatever the the worst things I think about myself I've said them I've said them myself so nobody else can really hurt me with them because because I think that there's you hide behind that shield and you're so worried because someone's going to say something about this or that or the other or whatever your particular insecurities are and actually if you just face them one they're not that bad two you start to learn to embrace it and three other people can't hurt you with them then yeah yeah and you start to like level up in different areas of your life so yeah. I, I still go to therapy now. I've had breaks in between and things like that. But when I first went to therapy, it's because I was in crisis. It was to yeah. save my life. Now I, but the things I learn along the way now help me navigate my life better because I have a better understanding of myself. So I'm a better dad. I'm a better husband. I can, yes. because you can't learn that much about yourself and not level up. It's not possible, is it? Right. So no. it's kind of like, it helps you be better in other ways as well. As you can't ever not know again <laughs> that's the worst English sentence ever. but you know you can't you can't go back to being um I will never know as little about my mind and about how cruel OCD can be the day my son was born and they put him into my arms and I knew immediately something within inside me in my brain just crashed um and I wasn't it was almost like a break from reality and it was like I knew something I knew something was wrong but I had no idea what what it was how it got be better how what it meant about me um I'll never know that little again so I can't really and so you are right it does you know I'm a I'm a better wife I'm a better mum I'm a better daughter and friend because actually I stand up for myself now I I know when I need time for myself it was all like stare at the baby stare at the baby but I've learned now that it's that kind of you know on the plane put your own mask on before the kids because if you're not if you're not well and healthy they can't be and that took me a really long time to like rewire and to think about because it was all like as long as the baby's okay as long as the baby's okay it doesn't matter how bad I get as long as the baby's safe and well and thriving but they're never gonna and I think as well, I didn't want my son to grow up ever because it occurred to me that he might inherit my brain, that I never wanted, I, I never wanted him to grow up thinking that it was something to be ashamed of and it was something that he couldn't talk about and it was something he had to hide like I'd done for such a long time. Um, and that there was a beauty in kind of being truthful. Um, and if he ever had any, if he ever started to show any OCD traits, that he'd be in a, you know, in a better place to just come out and get help for it. So I think that was a huge part of it. Oh, mate. Yeah. And that's, um, yeah, that's really beautiful, beautifully put. I think a lot of, uh, as a parent, yeah, I get that. I get that. Uh, oh yeah. I felt that one mate. But Kim, I'm really <laughs> conscious of your, your time. I've had you for a long time this morning, but, um, no mate, that was so, that was so wonderful to, to chat is, um, what have you got coming up, mate? There's one thing specifically, you kind of mentioned it earlier and I'm going to ask you about it and you might not be allowed to say much about it, but you mentioned yes. the period drama for Disney. Yes. 
it, that's the Shard Lake thing, right? Shard Lake, yeah. So I think that's going to be coming out beginning of 2024. It's on Disney Plus. It's the Shard Lake series of novels. Um, so uh, it's, I just did a, I did a little bit of like voice stuff for it the other day. So I got to see some of it and it looks phenomenal. It looks really, really good. Um, and I've got a Christmas film coming out and stuff. And obviously I do my own little podcast and blog as well. So you can find it all on Instagram. Yeah, I'll put links all in the episode episode notes, and um, yeah, I kind of listen to a lot of um, a lot of your podcast, um, you know, just oh. anyway, really, and also in the, <laughs> in, the, in the prep for this, and um, yeah, it's 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 really good how you do it. It's a real um, there's a real like privacy to it, like it kind yeah. of it feels like a one on one, and um, yeah, you speak so so beautifully. I think it's um, yeah, it's a really it's, wonderful it's just, thing. Just doesn't bore anyone. There's like absolutely no like production quality to it whatsoever. I think so. I think I think they're home with the. the you can come in. It's okay. My son's back. Oh, perfect uh, time. So lovely to chat to you. Thank you so much. And um, all the best with everything, mate. You take care. And you Thank too. you for your time. All right. today. Cheers. You bye bye. A big up to the proper mental podcast. A proper mental podcast. <laughs>